0: How you doing, man? i oh, yeah. Channing.
1: Nice to meet you. What's up, bro? How you man? Doing it's honor, to appreciate, appreciate you. Yes, sir. Yep. What up, up, dog? Up? How you doing, sir? Hey, Good to meet pleasure. you, man. Yes, sir. What's, what's, what's
2: yeah. going on, boss, man? Fred.
0: So, yeah. Baby. Oh, you're that cute. She is a cutie
2: pie. Say, what? all right, I'm mom. Megan. We need company now. <laughs> yeah, <we have. laughs> Hold up. Let me listen. They got some of pinning it. I thought they're here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm finna get me up. On miss mission, get me up, uh, knowin' me, I got the key, uh, on the vision I can trust, uh, trust, uh, limitless. think it's to me, kind in it, I thought they here to witness it, Get my people feelin' militant, uh, way I'm it, get me up, uh, on a mission, get me up, uh, First off, welcome to Vegas, welcome to The Pivot. Freddie T, Chan, I'm RC, we're here with Caleb Plant, and we're in his gym. Now this is what we've learned about shooting great boxers. A lot of they gyms be hot as hell. And when I was getting dressed to come here, I was like, I might not need to wear this button up. But I walked in, and this is what happens, you know, when you got a sweet, a sweet left hook, when you talk a great game inside the ring and outside, you get into a gym that is fully furnished, the air condition actually works. Immaculate. It, it is immaculate in <laughs> here. Now, nah, also too though, Caleb, man, this is how Rocky, Rocky was training like this before he fought Clubber Lane the first time now. Yeah. So we just gotta make sure, you know, You keep the main thing the main thing?
3: Absolutely not. (laughs) Boxing is the main thing. Um, I've been in plenty of gyms through my life, though, that no AC, uh, no windows, no nothing. But, um, you know, we got a fabulous place here to train at DLX in Vegas. And, you know, we're super happy that True lets us come in and do our thing. So it's a nice spot. We really like it.
2: Yeah, man. So to our partners, Happy Dad, we appreciate you. Uh, To our sponsors, DraftKings, thank you guys for all the support, for all the viewers, for all the subscribers. We're going to keep trying to give y'all dope content. We thank y'all for everything that y'all have done for us throughout the first year. We're going to keep it moving through 2023. You know, I I made the joke though, Caleb, about this gym being nice. You know, we've shot Deontay Wilder. We've done Errol Spence. And, you know, you mentioned yourself being in gyms that weren't like this. Uh, Coming from Tennessee, and having the upbringing you had, you know, reading about you and having one of those lines say, There are people born with silver spoons, but Caleb Plant had to steal one. Mm-hmm. To come up the way you did, man, um, living in trailers, sleeping in the back of abandoned buildings on futons, what was that journey growing up like for you, and how did it make you the man you are today?
3: Well, you know, I think I was able to learn a lot of lessons early and um, that otherwise i wouldn't have, wouldn't have learned and you know just being thrown in the fire early and, and but I think the biggest thing is just even at a young age, nine, ten eleven, just being mindful of the fact that like man this this isn't what i how I want to live, this isn't what I want the rest of my life to look like and so from a real early age, like I became really disciplined, you know my father instilled that in me. Yeah, I definitely had a silver spoon. You know, I, it, it didn't come to me. I had to, I had to go get it, I had to work for everything. And, but, you know, those are where some of the best stories are created. When you uh, start so low on the totem pole and you got so far to go, and um, it makes you not want to waste time because you're, there's so much space between you and what you want to achieve that, you know, a straight line is the fastest way there and you really don't want to make no detours because it's already, like I said, so far away.
0: Like that, you're saying that's a tough story and that's the platform we've created for people to get to know our guests and get to know their, their, you know, their legends like yourself, your upbringing. The story is your dad built a little, little gym for you yeah. and that's where you started boxing. Yeah. And I've also heard you say your mom wasn't around a lot. What was the family dynamic with young Caleb?
3: Yeah, my dad got my grandpa, my grandpa and um, they, they got a little bit of money together to opened up a real small gym. It may have just been like as big as this little, little spot that we're sitting in here. And um, it had tile floor, no mats and uh to make a ring we put tape down on the floor in a square and when we spar we stand around and hold hands <laughs> and um only a space for just like one heavy bag in the corner you can not even work all the way around it and when people would spar you know the tile would get slippery and wet and people would slip and fall but um you know it's nice to be in a gym like this now but uh you know Especially on the way up, or at any point in your career, you know, you don't you don't need all the fancy things. You don't have to have all the latest gear or all the latest, you know, the newest thing y'all. As long as you got, you know, a dream, something you wanna that you're passionate about, um, you know, you can you can make it there with passion. You don't have to have all the latest things. Family dynamic at home. Um, my mom, she dealt with things, and um, you know, she drank a lot of alcohol and, and you know, various things like that. And so it was a lot of it's chaotic at home. I'd say uh, a lot of fights, a lot of a lot of arguing, and uh, it just it's like the boxing gym was like an escape for me. So when when I was at home, it was like you know I'm somebody that nobody wants to be. Nobody would want to be in this position, have the clothes I have, or live in this type of house. But then when I could escape that and go to the gym, as soon as I walked through the door, I got to be somebody that. You know even grown men were looking up to and i got to be somebody that people wanted to be like and it's like i became like uh addicted to that feeling you know and every day i got to like it's almost like a drug you know for for so many hours in the day i get to go and escape all these things that i don't want to be around or want to be a part of i get to be somebody i get to be do do something and push myself and then as soon as i leave the door i got to go back to being you know, something that nobody wants to be. And I just became obsessed with that feeling of escaping that. And I've just been running it up ever since. At what age were
1: you then? Nine years old, yeah. You know, that's pretty tough for a nine year old, you know, just to have to deal with these things at home, then being able to find an outlet, you know, but even at nine, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure um, you had to talk to yourself quite often. Did you ever go through depression during those times as a young kid?
3: Uh, Yeah, yeah. Definitely went through a whole array of, you know, emotions, whether it be being depressed, just being angry, being mad, um, feeling like I'm missing out. I definitely experienced a lot of those things, went through a lot of those things. It may be like when you're on the football field or playing basketball, eventually, once you get off into doing what you love, It's, you know, it takes up so much of your mental capacity because either you love it or the workout is so hard eventually all those things that were bothering you kind of fade away and you know, this thing that you're doing demands 100% of your attention because it's so hard and you you don't even have the energy to be thinking about other things so, you know, it was nice to be able to, like I said, escape that and, and get away and be able to be doing something I love that's pushing myself and even at nine, you know, I didn't wanna be the president. I didn't wanna be, you know, a firefighter or a teacher or a scientist. I, I just wanted to be a fighter.
2: I think when you mention football players or you mention other sports, a lot of us say all the time, whenever we're talking to those guys, this is what we wanted to do, right? That's the only job I ever wanted. I wanted to play football. I wanted to play football professionally. It wasn't necessarily just a dream. It was just a grind. It was something I was passionate about and you being or becoming passionate about boxing and using it as an escape, now you get into the amateurs and you're seeing that the the escape has now become a possibility for a career. And then you start to get into your pro career and you're winning and and people are calling you sweet hands and you have all of these different things. When you finally made it to the point where that passion turned into something that was gonna be a viable career, I could be a champion, How did those feelings of depression, those feelings of not wanting to be a certain thing start to change for you?
3: A lot of those things that I wanted to escape happened, you know, started to happen really early on in my life. But, you know, throughout my even young adulthood, you know, or even late teens, early 20s, you know, I had situations that were still going on in my life that I had to walk through the fire and still go to the gym every day and, you know, just put on that show, put on that armor and keep mm. on, keep on trucking. And, um, but honestly at nine years old, like I said, it wasn't like, okay, I'm 20 now. This is what I, I, I can see myself having a career with this. It was like, no, nine years old, 10 years old. This is all I'm going to do. I'm not going, I don't want to go to college, you know, <laughs> school, I school was not something ever I, that I was super good at. And so boxing was like my one way out, you know, even from an early age. And I knew that and understood that I knew that, you know, you may be able to come from a certain place on the totem pole and continue to mess up and, and, and drift off and, and not stay focused and still make it in life. But when you come from the bottom, you know, there's not very many room for mistakes or errors. And so you got to walk that straight line. And I knew that early on. I don't know if it was my dad instilling the discipline and the mindfulness in me or just something that naturally occurred for me. But I knew early on, like, this is something that I got to make happen.
1: It seemed like the theme here was escape. And uh, in, in 2015, you lost your daughter, your baby girl, Aaliyah. Mm. And throughout that year, you had six fights. Mm. It, I'm sure it was very challenging for you uh, to have lost a daughter. Mm. Uh, and it seems that you used the ring for, for that escape. You're, you had four knockouts that year. And I've never lost a child. Uh, but I can only imagine what one must feel to lose, lose a kid. Uh, could you take us through that year?
3: I'm about 19. I have this uh, daughter, Aaliyah, and, um, you know, everything is on track to be good, to be healthy, and, you know, just to be like any anybody else who goes through that process. And then um, very shortly after, finding out that, you know, she has a lot of issues and um, she would have, like, 300, 400 seizures a day. She had a... Uh, she had a... Uh, brain damage, you know, no motor skills. She couldn't sit up. She couldn't eat. She had to eat through a Mickey tube in her stomach. Um, you know, eight different medicines twice a day. You got a pump in her stomach. All these uh, doctor's appointments downtown at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital. Um, just, I mean, having to sleep with, you know, a heart monitor and all these things, because sometimes at night she would just. You know, things would come up, um, you know, she was on life sport five different times, four or five different times. And um, just having to, you know, sometimes we'd be in hospital for weeks at a time. And, uh, you know, my first year I turned pro, I had five fights, six fights. My um, second year I had four or five fights. And so while most of these other professionals are, doing their camp at home and sleeping in their bed and, you know, have all these, you know, normal luxuries, you know, for weeks at a time, I would be staying in the hospital on the little pullout futon bed and the doctors are coming in at night and, um, I got to wake up in the morning. I go to training. I come back, you know, I'm spending time with her. I, then I got to drive 45 minutes to strength and conditioning. I'm coming back, spending time with her. Um, going home, getting more clothes or whatever has to get you know brought back to the hospital to be able to stay longer, and then going running downtown, coming back, sleeping on a little futon, eating the hospital food, just you know not having the normal luxuries um, that these other athletes would have, but at the same time, maybe having more fuel being added to the fire mm. and uh, that was a you know definitely a difficult time, and um it just got to the point where it began to be too much for her. And she got put on life sport for the last time. And I remember you know, going and having that bedside conversation with her like, you know, this isn't what you uh, want to do anymore, you know. I'm not going to be mad at you, disappointed in you. Uh, and shortly after that, you know, her health started to decline rapidly. And they were like, hey, you know, either she can pass with this EEG machine you know on her head and all these wires and things attached to her uh, we could take this stuff off and clean her up and you know she can look like what you'd want her to look like and so that's what we had you know done or cleaned up and all that and then in 2015 you know she she passed away January uh,
2: 29th. 29th 2015 1055 I mm-hmm. believe was the time yeah uh, you were scheduled to fight in Philadelphia, and you have doctors come to you. And because the situation was so dire for so long, there were many times that you said you thought that would be the day, or you were told it could be yeah. the day. But this time, you said to yourself, Okay, I'm gonna stay here. And in other instances, because you loved your baby so much, you know, you pleaded with her and you prayed that. She wouldn't go. How did you finally get to a point as a father, because in the same way Fred was choked up, I was even just reading through it this morning and felt the exact same way. you know, we all have children. I have two daughters. I can't imagine what you had to see your daughter go through to finally get to a point where you said, "It's okay, baby, and that daddy's going to be here." Yeah. How did you handle? being able to have that conversation with your your daughter.
3: You know, regardless of, you know, religion or ethnicity or background, you know, I don't think there's any life lesson that can prepare you for that. Um, and in that moment, it wasn't even really about me being prepared. It's just I wanted her to know if she was too tired, then, you know, don't feel like I'm gonna be disappointed in you or upset. or You know, with you, obviously I'm going to be upset, but, you know, I'm not disappointed in you. And um, if it's your time, then, you know, you do what you got to do. And I'll just keep figuring out a way to keep, you know, pressing forward. And like you said, I did have a fight scheduled and I'm torn because, you know, I'm sure all of us in the circle can relate to, you know, I'm the provider of my family. And um, at the time, it's not like I'm a a millionaire or, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm barely a thousandaire. I'm the provider of my family. She's been on LifeSport multiple times. Do I, do I, do I gotta go make, and it's like, you know, I know I'm saying, but then there's also this, like, do I, do I gotta go make this money for my family? Do I gotta, you know, if not, we're gonna be behind on bills. We could lose this, we could lose that. You know, I don't come from a place where I can get back up and get help and, mm. you know, but, you know, obviously as soon as they said no, this is a situation where, you know, This isn't like any of the other ones. I'm like, well, you know, say less, I'm not going anywhere, I'm gonna be right here. And, but.
2: You know, you you fast forward from that, you know, you made promises that you would one day be champion. And and four years later, you get an opportunity to fight uh, Jose Uzgatagi. And it's a fight that people don't believe you're gonna win. And I think you knock him down in the second, you knock him down in the fourth, you get wobbled later on in the fight and you end up winning the fight. What was that full circle moment like starting at nine, having to go through losing Aliyah, making promises that you'd one day be champion and then finally reaching that goal?
3: Um, I mean, that moment was undescribable, really just when they announced those words and the new I mean, that's something that any kid who's ever halfway laced up a pair of boxing gloves, you know, dream of hearing one day. And um, just, you know, circling back to Leah, it got to a point where, you know, I knew I wasn't gonna get to do very many things that other fathers get to do with their daughter. Uh, Whether that be, you know, dropping them off at practice or, or, you know, them going to prom or waking up on Christmas, opening up Christmas presents or, you know, dancing or, with each other, playing with each other. And so once she passed, it's not because I didn't get to do a lot of those things, me keeping that promise to her that I was gonna become world champion. I mean, that was just something that was engraved in me. And it, it didn't matter who stood across from me that night. There there was nothing that anybody was gonna be able to do unless they were willing to take their last breath in there like I was, they were gonna come up short. And so just going through that fight, being an underdog, and... You know, people saying that he was going to do this and do that. And then coming out, you know, victorious in the way I did, um, dropping him twice, I caught a headbutt in the fourth round. They cut my eye open and, you know, that would have been an easy point to unravel and succumb to to that excuse. Oh, I was supposed to lose anyways, and I got a headbutt I couldn't see. But, you know, just grinding through that like I have everything else in my life and coming out the other side victorious. Yeah, one of the best moments of my life. The
0: R.I.P. Aaliyah you wear coming out and all. And that motivation, and then past that, just the motivation of watching your daughter fight. Mm. Like you're her father, and you yeah. see her fight through yeah. all that through the season. all you yeah. see that fight, and now even even meeting you for the first time face to face, you know, fan from afar, you have a like you're intense, <laughs> very. And, and watching you fight, you're intense. Like we like RC brought up, Errol Spence, Floyd, Deontay Wilder. When we when we were around them, you hear him before you see him. You hear him in the gym talking and messing and making fun of people. Yeah. But then around Mike Tyson, I get more Tyson out of you, like just like a pit bull waiting to jump on somebody. Do you like fight with rage? Because Floyd says it all the time. He's like, I'm a prize fighter. I'm gonna go in here, I'm gonna get my check. Yeah. Like, you're, where does that motivation come from? Because you got a lot more pit bull in you than I knew before <laughs> I met you face to face.
3: <laughs> no, I mean, I don't go in there emotional, you know, and circling back, you know, seeing goes go through those things, you know, it did motivate me. It's like, hey, you know, I'm. A, you know, I'm in my early 20s but by the time I'm, I'm a grown man, you know, if I can see her go through this, you know, I can push hard, I can work through my last round, I can, you know, I can do anything if she can go through this. And, you know, going into the ring now, it's not like I go in there emotional or, you know, you know, that's not that's not the way you come out victorious. That's not the way boxing, boxing goes. Um, you know, it's a thinking man's game. And, um, you know, I'm a thinking fighter. You know, I, I got a heavy IQ, I got a heavy bag of tricks. That I can do in the ring, and you know, it's just about, you know, it, it may seem like because this happened or that happened, I would use that and go in there raging. But you know, I, over the years, you know, I could channel that and, and put it, put it the way I want, and go into the ring calm, cool, and collected, and 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 know that I have a, you know, a job to do. This isn't like I'm not some, you know, <laughs> you know. To me, that's that's not what Boston is. You, know, you got to channel, it. yeah, yeah. You got to channel that, and you gotta you gotta use it the right way or it's gonna get used against you. Yeah. And your trick, your bag of tricks is to get around to that damn left hook, is it?
0: Because if you stand up right now, I'm doing this.
3: I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, Darrell, you know, he learned his lesson that I mean. <laughs> But honestly, you know, if it is it just about really him doing the same thing over and over and me catching wind of that and then using what he was trying to do against him. And, uh, you know, again, if I was just out there winging him and trying to, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to think of that in the moment because I was throwing that combination, but I was throwing it at a different tempo, and you know his defensive responsibilities, the way he was blocking and going about it, I realized that I had to change up that tempo and you know switch it up. And if I would, you know, then I, I may not think of that. I'd, I'd be too busy trying to.
2: How do you not get err when a guy straight up tells you, "I ain't letting no white boy beat me," <laughs> you know, like that's the. You know that's the, the the thing in sports that we don't talk about a lot. It's it's yeah. playing DB, right? I mean, I'm I can be honest with you right now. If I'm playing DB and I'm sitting across from Randy Moss, you accept that, or you sitting across from Santana Moss. I mean, anybody black is different than if Wes Welker go out here and cook me, yeah. right? Cooper Cup had to work so hard to earn the respect yeah. of the NFL because him being who he was, but looking the way he did, it was sort of held against him in the respect that the other players would give him, but that's not something people say out loud. And Mm -hmm. boxing's different. When you step into that ring, bro, no matter what your trainer says, what your coaches say, you gotta go do it. And for a man to test you just simply based on the color of your skin and say, you can't beat me because of that, how do you control rage in that type of situation to be able to focus on just fighting when a man is clearly disrespecting you.
3: I've been doing this a long time, so, you know, it's an unfortunate thing, but that's something I've dealt with for a long time. And, um, you know, especially coming on the scene, early on, my first USA camp in 2010, I, I went to my first nationals. If you rank in the top four in the nation, you make Team USA. And then they take everyone in the top four from each weight class and uh, they send them to camp at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs. And so for that to be my first, I, I come in the top four, I ranked third in the nation. People are like, man, who's this white kid? <laughs> and uh, I come to, you know, Team USA camp, and you know, at first I did feel like an outsider and people made me feel like one. Mm-hmm. Maybe they felt like that I wasn't serious about the craft. You know, I, I'm not sure, I can't say for sure, but maybe they felt like I weren't wasn't serious about the culture. Mm. You know, so at first it's like maybe some people didn't want to respect me, didn't want to like me. But over time, you know, the next year I won the Golden Glove Nationals, I become Olympic trialist, I become Olympic alternate. You know, in between I'm going to all these other national tournaments. People understand, and I'm consistently ranking at a high number. You know, in these tournaments, I think people began to, okay, you know, Caleb he's here for the long run. You know, he's not just here to, you know, act like he's cool or say that he can be a part of the boxing culture. You know, he's really living that life and. Um, so, yeah, it's something that I've, you know, dealt with many times, um, throughout my boxing career, but, uh, it's just more motivation to, because that's what they want out of you, you know, they want you to get riled up, they want you to get tense, they want you to get tight, that's, why else does anyone talk shit to anyone, to try and get them out their game, to try and, so, if I know, obviously know that's the reason, why would I give them what they want, when if I can stay calm, I can stay cool, you know, I can prove that stereotype wrong.
0: You did the movement, I was going to ask about it. Uh, <laughs> Is yeah. that why you buried him? Was the comment, why did you bury the man? And did you know you were going to bury him after you knocked him out?
3: Well, I didn't know I was going to do it after the fight, just in that moment. You know, that's the, that's the first thing that came to mind. And, you know, if I feel something, if I think something, I'm not one to shy away from how I feel or what I think. And um, just burying the beef. You know, <laughs> he, had, he, had, he had a lot to say. You know, he put the Bernard Hopkins, Joe Calizaghi, um skid up on his on his social media talking about you know I'll never let a white boy beat me and then there was an interview that they had brought up from the past and him saying something somewhat similar and you know between everything else he called me and you know it was just time to bury all that you know enough is enough and um time to move forward to bigger and better you knocked
1: Darrell out in the ninth round after your Canelo fight back in 2019 when you were crowned title champ you lost your mom a couple months after that, and then in 2015, uh, you came back and knocked some guys out after losing your daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just want to say, because I'm always the guy that gives our pe- guests their flowers, I think you belong here. Because you said a second ago that you were here for the long haul. Do you think that uh, those moments of adversity, that during those moments, do they drive you more than you know, anything else, you know, to, to set
3: you up for those uh, type of fights? You know, I I can't speak for everyone, but, you know, me, I I know the best is brought out of me when I'm challenged. And that could be emotionally, that could be, you know, physically, but you don't want it to have to come to that. But I, I'm someone I've got to be challenged in life to to, for the best to be brought out of me. You know, it's unfortunate those things happen, but for me, they only add, you know, fuel to the fire for me to go in there and not just win, but win in a way that, you know, uh, in spectacular fashion and, you know, I'm not someone who just wants to get in this sport and make a bunch of money and get out and, you know, appreciate the boxing, thank you. But, you know, I, I really love boxing. I'm a student the game. I, I love this sport. I got so much passion and love for this sport, you know, it's hard to even explain it. So um, when things like that happen, it's just fuel to the fire for me to for me to go out there and put on, you know, a spectacular performance. I want my name to be written in stone forever. You know, when when people talk about boxing, I want them to have to bring my name up and um, in a way that can never be erased.
2: There is no way to bring your name up and not bring up your wife, Jordan's name. Uh, You guys just five months ago uh, had Charlie and welcomed Charlie into the world. But on the night you won the title, you also proposed and having an opportunity to share your life with someone who becomes a partner and helps you through those challenges, the emotional challenges, the mental challenges, the physical challenges, and someone to really walk through life with, which it seems both of you do. How has she helped you overcome some of the trauma and some of those things that an upbringing like yours, or? the things you've dealt with and those adversities can add to a man's life. What has she done to help you be more complete since you guys have been together?
3: She's amazing. She's uh, you know, for one, she's a, a D1 collegiate athlete. You know, she had a full ride at UNLV to run the hundred meter hurdles. So she knows what it's like to be an athlete and deal with some of those those pressures and um, you know, what comes with training, what comes with recovery. So it's easier for her to help, you know, for her to be a step ahead on on knowing exactly what I need and when I need it. And um, one thing that me and JP have that I feel like a lot of people, at least in my generation, don't have is, you know, we're friends and we're friends first. There's some things that you might, that a fella might, you know, do to his wife that he wouldn't do to his friend. But for me, that's one and the same. You know, I would never want to disrespect my friend. You know, I would never want to turn my back on my friend. I would never want to do my friend dirty. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what Jordan is to me. So we got a real, you know, tight, um, close relationship. And um she's like a cheat code. <laughs> really, I mean, she can do it all, just I mean, between the rental properties we have, the stocks and the bonds, DB, you know, pension and, you know, our retirement, life insurance, just helping me get all that set up with the team that we have. You know, I'm going from, um, you know, a bad credit score to, you know, I'm like in the 800s (laughs) now. If your old
2: lady fix your credit, she the one, though. Yeah, I mean,
3: (laughs) she, you know, she's the type to like, well, if you get us rich, I'm going to make us wealthy. Mm -hmm. There's not very many girls like that out there, women out there like that, at Mm -hmm. least, You know in this generation and so in any generation i mean you know whether it's cooking you know we we have a chef in place now obviously but you know even before that making sure i had all my meals making sure i had all my pre and post shakes if i need to go here for an appointment i mean she's like right on top of it making sure that she wants to get me there we're teammates and so you know you know i couldn't think of a better friend than jordan and um you know i'm just i'm thankful i'm grateful to have someone like her in my life
0: Listen, I like to hear the stories, man, because I. Oh, here I, we go. You're so intense. <laughs> What's your game? I was watching a movie on the flight here, and the dude's game was he saw a woman didn't have an umbrella in the rain, and he walked up and said, "I want to catch all the raindrops so you don't get wet." I thought that was sweet. Mm. <laughs> what was your game, man? Cause you got to a winner. But how how do you run up on it? because like you might be the suave, sexy.
3: <laughs> Whispering. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. know. Well, nah, hey, nah, well, nah, what nah. did you? What, what was it? I'm more of a laid-back, quiet guy, so I was fighting in um, in L.A. You know, I'm focused and all that, and then, you know, just scrolling on Instagram so I'm not staring at the wall for, you know, 15 hours, just maybe overthinking or something like that. So I'm on Instagram scrolling. I see this girl, like, a couple of my pictures. I'm Mm -hmm. like, man, who is this? I'm scrolling. I'm like, man, if you ever see her, you got to say something to her. And then the next day, I'm weighing in, and I'm sitting in the chair, waiting for them to call me up. I look over, and she's standing on the wall right there. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, well, you said you got, you know, you gotta say something to her, and so I weigh, and then there was like a water fountain machine, like with cups and stuff, and I'm sure she figured, you know, after he weighs in, he's gonna be at the water, so she's standing by the water. I will go up. <laughs> she was waiting on you. She, yeah. And um, <laughs> I'm like, hey, I, I'm Caleb. Nice to nice to meet you, and um, you know, just make her laugh a little something. something. As pretty as she is, it's like, I'm sure she's used to getting pressed or, you know, what's your number and all this other thing. And, you know, I, I don't want to be that type of guy. I'm not really that type of guy anyway. So I just told her, you know, it's nice to meet you. And, you know, I'm sure I'll see you around sometime. And, Ooh, uh... Level one! It's <laughs> Yeah. She even says to this day, she's like, I did ask for my fucking number. <laughs> she was curious to why I didn't, I guess. So then a couple hours later, I had like a message on Instagram saying, hey, it was nice to meet you. I'm like, I know (laughs) it just started from there and going back to focusing on my fight had a really good fight we just stayed in close contact and got to a point where because of everything that happened in Tennessee you know just a lot of things weren't working out for me and I just felt like I needed a change and she was out here in Vegas and obviously it's not a bad place to be if you're a professional boxer I would be on the same fights that I would regardless but just the the training and the amount of sparring and whether it be massages and just the whole the whole nine you know it's a lot of things going on out here and I just felt like I needed change so after we talked for a little while I, I moved out here and the rest is history
1: hey Caleb we mentioned we did Earl Spence uh we did Bronze Bomber and uh you know we talk about their camps how long their camps are and if they have sex in camp leading up to fight. Mm-hmm. Right? Whether you Now know, we changes, get to the real interview. Whether it changes their mindset or whatever. And I'm sitting here, Jordan said, Charlie is five months, right? Mm-hmm. She just turned five months. So I'm calculating the the math from the Canelo fight.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: We lands exactly at 14 months. Nine months to carry, five months is how old she is. You was fucking before that Canelo
3: thing. Nah, we had her after the Canelo fight. Yeah,
1: that's what I mean. But she's yeah. five months. So well, Canelo she, was, she was-
3: She was created after the right Canelo after. fight. Right after.
1: So my math probably always. See, I got yeah, a yeah, bad yeah. thing about counting. So yeah. I'm going back to Canelo, November, 2021. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: 12? Jordan, What's the math on this shit? We can't add. You know. It's kind of like, <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, come on, Jordan. The help us out. What's the help us brain help us out. Of operation? <laughs> but no, it's just kind of one of those inside things about fighters, like yeah. building up, not no, having no, sex, I, and all that stuff. So
3: if I'm you abstinent say, for eight weeks. The nasty,
1: nasty. I'm abstinent for eight what? weeks.
3: Okay. Say Before again. Every eight weeks. I'm abstinent. Oh wow. And in no way, shape, or form have I ever whew, uh, made a mistake on any of that. From my pro debut to the Canelo fight, to the Darrell fight, eight weeks. It don't matter how many times I'll fight a year.
0: Even with yourself? You after them with no, yourself
3: too? No <laughs> mistakes in any way, shape, or form. Eight weeks before a fight, from my pro debut to now, and I don't care how many times in a year I fight.
0: And wh- where did that number come from?
3: You know, you've heard certain fighters talk about six weeks, four weeks, yeah. you know. I'm sure very few fighters do eight weeks. But, you know, I'm just, yeah. I'm the type of guy I don't, I don't want to, you know, leave anything to chance. And if there's anything that I can do to push my boxing career forward, Mm -hmm. then that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make the most of it. And, you know, it's just a short window. And why would I leave anything to chance? Yeah, shoot.
2: Well, I know what they'd be saying to me. They'd be like, Ryan, why do you only fight two times a year? Well, shoot, because that's 16 (laughs) weeks, coach. I can't give up. (laughs) But you're
1: different, though. That's four months. (laughs) Because we we talk about, you mentioned other fighters, you know, and when we see other fighters, we see entourages. You know we don't we we've done these things and that we see the homies you know at the gym you know you pulled up your your entourage was just your your babies your
3: your baby girls and my boy gerald
1: but you don't have an entourage you like you're so
3: focused like channing said like you're all business something my dad's always told me is uh you know you can look at the people before you and find out the do's and the don'ts and you know it seems like one of the don'ts is every time someone has a big entourage they wind up having to pay for everybody Mm -hmm. and they wind up having to you know do all these things and then even that like i'm like someone i like peace and quiet you know i don't like a whole lot of noise around me and that gives me a chance to to be with me and my thoughts and if there's always a bunch of voices around me you know distracting me from the from my own voice in my head telling me what i need to do and when i need to do it and the direction i need to go you know that just sounds like a distraction to me and I'm not too fond on people anyway. So it's like, you know, I'd rather just be, you know, I got Gerald, I got my wife, my my daughter, I got Jesse, and just a few select friends, and that's just how I like to keep it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes too, the the things you go through in life build certain boundaries that help you understand you don't need a ton of people. Yeah. And I love that about you, your, your self-awareness, also your self-assuredness. And you build your career up and you have an opportunity to fight Canelo Alvarez uh, once you become the champion. And it's one of those fights where people obviously understand who he is as a fighter, but they didn't necessarily know everything about you. When you ink that fight and you realize this is where your career is, what does it mean when you get the validation of being able to step in the ring with someone that was thought of as highly as Canelo Alvarez?
3: It was... Uh you know, a good thing, obviously, to be able to be a part of such a big fight. And, you know, Canelo, he's obviously a great fighter. He's done a lot of great things, and made a lot of accomplishments, but it doesn't excite me that I get to be able to stand across from anybody mm. in the ring. You know, I don't look at him as like someone that I need to be excited about. You know, I'm here on a mission. I'm here on a job. I'm here to, you know, accomplish my own goals and, and put my own name in the history books, not be excited that I get to stand across from someone who has already done that. Yeah. You know, I, I look at myself as on the same playing field as he does. That's no disrespect to him or no. any other fighter, but that's just how I feel. I'm not excited to send across from anybody. I'm excited to get my hand raised. And so as big a fight as that was, and um, you know, I put up a good showing, um, it was still a disappointment to me to, you know, to lose and then not get my hand raised. You know, I have an opportunity to right that wrong. Mm-hmm. I got to fight against David Benavidez March 25th. Um, I win that, I become the WBC interim champ, and I become, you know, the mandatory for the WBC belt, yep. which Canelo has. And so um, um, right now, I'm just grinding, and focused, and uh, you know, I, w- I want the opportunity again.
0: We talked a number of fighters, and some of them really don't seem like they have beef with people. They're just fighting. They're doing their job. I would say. Yeah. I've heard you have beef with Benavidez, and then to get to Canelo the whole slap thing. What was the slap about? And it seems like you really have outside of the ring issues with guys you fight.
3: Boxing is not a job for me, you know. Boxing is my life. And so anyone who's trying to get in the way of that or disrupt that, I mean, we just talked about some of the things from, you know, the time I started to here. I'm not trying to let anyone disrupt that or get in the way of that. And so it is personal for me. But as far as like the situation that happened with Canelo, that was him. He pushed me you know, right. if a man just walks up and shoves you, maybe some people would, I'm not just gonna let that slide. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter how big you are, who you are, you know, you're gonna have to show me. And so when he, he pushed me, you know, I did the first thing, you know, it's flight or fight. And he, what do you think I'm gonna do? I'm a fighter, so. And, and really, it's just, the whole reason that situation happened is because he come up and he was like, you're gonna see, you're gonna find out. And I'm like, all right, motherfucker, you gonna find out. And I guess in, In his culture, when you say motherfucker, that means something else. But he said that word multiple times to other people. Yeah. So he knows what it means. You know, he was just trying to create some type of storyline or some type of beef, you know, to get the views up, whatever. I'm not really sure. But after the fight, he apologized and he told me I'm a great fighter. I let him know he's a great fighter, told him I would never talk about his mom. He apologized. He said he knows and that, you know, and so, but as far as the David Benavides thing, I mean, that really started out as just something where, we agree to disagree. That I'm better. No, I'm better. No, I'm better. Okay. Well, we just agree to disagree. Over time, I feel like it developed into something more, where, you know, it's just normal fight banner going back and forth. But then, you know, it's like his dad, mm-hmm. hopped on an interview, and um, said that I only talk about Aaliyah to get clout and to be famous, mm. and that I don't need to talk about her no more. I just need to. You know she's not here no more i just need to be quiet and let that situation be basically i don't fuck with that you know he's liked pictures on my instagram of me and aaliyah in the hospital together laying in the hospital bed together you know the dad jose benavidez senior liking pictures like that and um it's like if you whatever you want to say about me go ahead you want to talk about my about the bros that's cool you want to talk about my dad that's cool my boxing anything you want to say but once you start you know, bringing up someone's mom, once you start bringing mm. up their kids, their wife, that's like a different level. And um, that's like, what happened between me and Canelo, we shook hands after. Yeah. You know, some things you don't come back from. And that's not something that is ever reversible for me. With that type of
1: disrespect, because I label it as such, it, for me that disrespectful uh, to involve family. We're just boxing. Uh, I don't think, well, I don't think they're familiar with, you know, the Daniel Henry fight, which was your first fight after losing your daughter, which was March of 2015. Mm -hmm. And this fight is in March. Do we expect the same uh, result that you did with Daniel Henry? He was starched. (laughs)
3: Um, (laughs) It's hard to say, you know, there's a lot of variables that go into the ring. And um, I do expect to get my hand raised in fashion. I truly believe that. I believe I'm the better boxer. I'm the better fighter. I got the better pedigree. Um, I got better coaches. I'm more disciplined, obviously. And um but as far as you know, being able to starch someone, there's a lot of variables that go into that. So you know, we we'll just have to wait till fight night.
1: Could you break down now. starch for our viewers?
3: uh Starch is you know when you put starch in your clothes and they stiffen up. <laughs> That's what starching somebody is. <laughs> I
2: love that, man. You know you. You've gotten to a point where I do believe people respect the way you go about your business. Um, And to the conversation you spoke about you and Canelo having after your fight, that's something I've seen on social media over and over again, just earning that respect. But you still saying, I want to run that one back. right? I want to get my hand raised because I believe we are on the same tier. When you look back through your life and you think about where you come from, where you started, your father building uh, a small gym for you to develop this passion, losing Aaliyah, 2015, your mom, Beth, 2019, but continuing to live life, continuing to fight, now building this beautiful family. When you look back on all you have accomplished to this point, how proud of yourself are you that you had the stuff to make it through all this and be sitting here today.
3: I'm proud of, I'm definitely, you know, I'm proud of myself and um, not, not too often cause it seems like there's always another goal set and you know, it's always time to get back grinding and focused and training. But there are times where I sit back and, you know, think about, you know, the moments that I've overcome and um, from going to almost like being an outsider and not being accepted by his peers to being one of the top of his class amongst his peers, mm. it does mean a lot. You know, some of the moments we've spoken on are just very few in the comparison that I've had to, you know, overcome. And um, you know, I do uh, pat myself on the back every once in a while. And uh, but it seems like as soon as I do, it's always time to get right back to work.
0: Do you enjoy the fame? Because you seem somewhat of an introvert. I know you enjoy the money. We all love the money. But I remember the time where I opened Twitter, Instagram. And I saw Caleb Plant. I started watching the videos like everybody else. Do you enjoy the, the 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 fame?
3: It's nice to be recognized for your hard work. Yeah, I don't box for money. There's a lot easier ways to make money, and that doesn't take the near amount, of the discipline, and the hard work, and the the abstinence, and everything else that we spoke on. I don't box for free because if you're good at something, then you don't do it for free.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: But by, what money's not my why. Fame is not my why. You know. I box because I love it. I box because, you know, boxing saved my life and I, I got a true passion for it. But um, as far as like being famous, you know, again, it's nice to be recognized, but it's not really like my thing, you know? Yeah. Whether people noticed who I was, I mean, I spent my whole life people not noticing or recognizing who I was. And I still believed in myself just as much. So whether people recognize me or not, you know, that's not why I do it. A
1: good friend of ours, uh, Chad Ocho he did an interview with Shannon Sharp, speaking about time. Time is free, and I like to think that it's what you do with that time that costs. And you've done amazing with your time through the adverse moments, you know, still coming out on top, still coming out on top. And I, I'm, we're all hoping that it pays dividends for you. March 25th,
3: right here in Vegas, MGM Grand.
1: We all hope it pays dividends for you, man, because you, you, you. You, you seem like a warrior. Thank you. Um, from afar, everything that Channing said, but up close you're you're my type of guy laid back chill mellow <laughs> you're very you know similar. just about your business man i love that and i'm personally a fan like from the heart from, i'm a fan so really okay
0: fight
2: it ain't got nothing to do with. It. he got detained by the police one time now you took. this is what we need to do he's the one person on this show that nobody wants to fight either though like everybody loves freddie yeah like it, it's it's different for him man he don't live the life that you and I live. Like, I probably need to come in here and train and let Caleb teach me some things because I know somebody gonna run up on me soon. Don't get in there with him. No, I said, teach me some things. I didn't say I want to do it. (laughs) The the other thing is this, man, that we've learned, you know, in in having the opportunity to do this job, me doing UFC, is you can't judge a book by its cover. Some of the the baddest men in the world are the most mild-mannered, the most humble, they, they sit back and they observe and they don't feel the need to continuously prove to you how tough they are. You seem very similar to that. A question we often ask is, what's your biggest pivot? Because obviously the name of the show is The Pivot. We were all pivoting from something else. And we've talked about so many different things in your life that could be considered a moment you had to move on from and be better because of it. What would you point to as the one moment in your life that you think is most pivotal to Caleb Plant being who he is today?
3: I would say that the the situation with Aaliyah. Mm-hmm. That was, I mean, I don't think there's anything in my life that's been as difficult as that, and that was a, a pivotal moment for me to either pack my bags or, or to pick him up and, and keep on trucking and keep on going. So. There's a lot of moments, but I, I would pick the, the situation with mm. Uh just the whole, the whole 19 months with her. You know, that, was, that helped turn me into to what I am today.
2: To hear you say the whole 19 months. Mm-hmm. That is such a short period of time to love someone that much. And so still, you know, I wasn't around then. I just met you today. I am sorry that you, you had to go through that. As a father uh, of three kids, It is the most unimaginable thing in the world to me to have to do that, man. And the fact that you are still here today, the fact that you are still here here standing, that there's a piece of her that lives on through you. And that level of fighter that she was is the level of fighter that you are. Man, best of luck on March 25th. We hope you win it. Uh, We will be cheering. We have a serious, serious issue of like falling in love with the fighters we do shows with. And you don't understand, bro, the stress we gonna feel on March 25th. So we need you to win, because we do not handle it well as a crew when like our people lose. I got
0: a connection with us.
2: Ain't no stress. What? What's the I connection? I
0: got a connection. CP, if, w- do you break your abstinence and fight night? Like, at, like, we're gonna watch you fight. After that, later on, will you, will you get it on?
3: Y'all probably won't see me after the fight.
0: I was gonna connect because I was gonna tell my wife, hey, after Caleb fights, he about to get busy. So let's get busy. So we're almost getting busy
3: together. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be like the champ.
2: Let's be like the champ. Like,
0: you know, so that's the connection there.
3: Yeah. That sounds like a good connection. (laughs) This guy crazy, man. He's crazy, bro.
2: Man, we look forward to it, man. This fight will be on Showtime, March 25th, Caleb Plant versus David Benavidez. and I'm with you, man. Some beefs don't get squashed, some things can't be said. So man. I look forward to seeing you handle your business inside the ring. Thank you, man. My man, appreciate I'm it. Love, man. <laughs> no, that is disgusting, yeah. by That's the way, fun. man. That man don't want to be, that man. <laughs> but we not together, we in man, different states. That man going eight weeks, he definitely don't want to be thinking about, uh, he's not going to be not thinking that about you. He's, he's actually not going to be thinking about you.
0: Bro. He's not going to thinking about me, but it's like, <laughs> hey, we're celebrating this championship <laughs> together.
2: Hold up. Limitless. take some it. I thought they here to witness it, got my people feeling militant, uh, way I'm feeling got me up, uh, on miss mission got me up, uh, knowing me I got the key, uh, only bitching I can trust, uh, trust, uh, limitless, think it's to me confident in it, uh, I thought they here to witness it, got my people feeling militant, uh, way I'm feeling got me up, uh, on miss mission got me up.